We have been, as, as Bill said, we've been in the Gospel of John. We've been looking at um, the, this, last, this Last Supper discourse, as it's sometimes called a discourse or a sermon or a, or a conversation, anyway, that Jesus has been having with his disciples. And um, he gets to a, a point where he reminds them of some things that, um, that he's been saying to them several times throughout the course of his conversation. And once again, they indicate their uh, confusion. Um, and then he points out to them something um, that's going to happen to the disciples that happens to each and every one of us in probably way too often, too many cases. <laughs> it's sorrow. It's grief. It's suffering. And what he promises, what Jesus promises from this, uh, from this little conversation is that their sorrow or their grief is not going to last. The thing that's going to last is their joy. I don't know about you, but it doesn't feel that way very often. I don't know how many of you wake up every morning, maybe, maybe some of you just from sheer power of will, <laughs> wake up in the morning and think, I'm going to be happy today. Today's going to be a good day. I don't usually wake up like that. I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> I usually wake up going, oh Lordy, can I just go back to bed? Let me just stay, stay where I am because this day is going to have too much sorrow. Maybe sorrow, maybe work, maybe something else. But Jesus tells them that their sorrow will turn into joy. And then he goes on to say that their joy, he wants their joy, in other words, there's purpose for him, for him uh, encouraging them in this passage, is that their joy may be full, is that their joy may be complete, that their joy may be total, that they may have total joy. And it will last forever. How do we, uh, how should we take this word and apply it to our lives? How should we take this word and leave this place this morning and run with it? And go, okay, that's, that's it, total joy. That's what my life's going to be about from now on. Well, let's see. Let's see what Jesus has to say here. First thing I want you guys to see is that this total joy is reflected or is um, based on what Jesus is doing. Their joy is based on what Jesus is doing. Look with me uh, again in your Bibles, uh, if you would, to John 16. Um, I'm not going to reread this whole passage again that we just heard read, but I am going to uh, walk us through it a bit. He says to them at the, at the beginning of this passage in verse 16, A little while you will see me no longer, and again a little while and you will see me. So, how many of you, show of hands, under, uh, uh, get exactly what he's saying right now? Like, okay, I get it. Okay, some of you, some of you got a show of hands because you probably 
read the passage, you've heard him talk, you maybe have some, see some connections here, um, or you've seen some connections with the rest of the story. But for many of us, first time we read that, it's like, okay, a little while, what does he mean by a little while? And what does he mean by you'll see me no longer? What, what is this going to be? I, I kind of have an idea of what Jesus' life and death and resurrection, all those things were about. Um, but what does he mean specifically? And in, as we keep reading, you, we read verse 17 and 18, uh, we see that um, we're not alone. The disciples were wondering the same thing. <laughs> the disciples were wondering. They begin talking to him. You know, he keeps saying this. But what does he mean by this? A little while and you'll not, you will not see me. And again, you will see me. And, and then they refer back to something he said earlier. He said, and what does he mean by, because I am going to the Father? What does he mean by that? So, he repeats it. John, John writes it again in verse 18. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. How many of you have been, in, been there? We don't know what Jesus is talking about. We don't know what he's saying to us. We don't know what he is doing. What is he all about? Why are things the way they are? I don't get it. Right, David? <laughs> Why am I going through this experience today? We don't know. We don't know. And we won't know what Jesus is doing until he's already done it. Here's what he was talking about. In a little while, I will die. I will be on the cross. I will shed my blood for you. It will drain out of my body. And I will die. And I will be buried in a tomb. And you will not see me. <laughs> you will see me no longer. But again, a little while later, and you will see me. When I rise from the dead and I appear to you again, you will see me again. That's what I mean by that. So Jesus, in verse 19, says, Is this what you're asking yourselves? <laughs> Is this what you're wondering about? Why did my truck break down today? Why did my, my, my car get wrecked? Why did my friend die? Why am I going through this difficulty? Why am I going through that circumstance? Why, Jesus? What are you doing? Total joy. <laughs> Total joy comes from, from knowing or experiencing or seeing what Jesus is doing. But we don't know all the time. We don't know in the midst of it. In fact, he says this in verse 20. Pay attention to this because whenever Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, perk your ears up. This is something important. This is a true saying. This is something he wants us to meditate on. And he said this over and over in this, this whole discourse from John 13 on. He said it at many other times in the Gospel of John too. But look what he says in verse 20 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. So when Jesus says, or God says in his word, you will do something, that's a promise. <laughs> it's a promise. It's going to happen. 
you will weep and lament. But the world, remember what the world is in, in, the, in John. Most of the time in John, it means, as it does here, it means the moral order, human beings, uh, organizations, uh, human institutions, in other words, that are in rebellion against God. The world, those who are in rebellion against God will rejoice while we, or the disciples here, will weep and lament. That's a promise. And then he says, you will be sorrowful. So he uses another word besides weeping and lamenting. He uses the word sorrow. You will be sorrowful. But, here's one of the big buts of the, of, the, of, the, of the Bible, if I can put it that way. A lot of big buts in the Bible, and this is one of them. But, it's a little bit of tension in the room, so I just wanted to kind of break the tension a bit. But, your sorrow will turn into joy. But your sorrow will turn into joy. Total joy comes out of our sorrow. That's crazy. The joy of, of discovering that the reason you were going through some hardship was because God wanted you to be a blessing to somebody in the midst of that. Right? The joy of going through that difficulty, that pain, and that, and that, that suffering because on the other side, there is something greater, something better, something more amazing. I could not have possibly imagined God doing that in my life through all of that pain and that difficult, those circumstances. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And, and then Jesus, uh, he, he um, I, I think Jesus um, has a lot of grace for preachers. Because sometimes he'll be talking along and he'll give us a ready-made illustration. It's right there. I don't even have to make one up myself. And I can say, well, so what, did, what would that look like? What would it look like for our sorrow to turn into joy? Oh, it's like this. And Jesus tells us, so thank you, Jesus, for helping me out here for my, in my message. Verse 21, he says this. For example, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow. <laughs> Amen? amen. I don't know those of you women who have experienced that, you could say amen with me. Um, she has sorrow because her hour has come. Oh, woe is me. It's about to happen. This is not good. This is going to be painful. But, another big but, when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So, I could probably ask you ladies, do you remember how painful it was? You'll probably, yes, yes I do. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you, are you experiencing that sorrow now? Are you experiencing that pain now? She, Cheryl's making a face at me. She's like, yeah, well, we do have, we are raising teenage girls, but, um, <laughs> but they're beautiful and they're lovely and oh, they're so amazing. And so is our youngest one, too. Yes, yes. Um, we, are, we, we forget 
You know, the woman here, he says, she, she no longer remembers the anguish and the pain that she went through because the baby's there. I remember when our girls were born. And I remember looking in my uh, wife's face and seeing the pain and the anguish there. And I, I, I felt like what she wanted to say was she wanted to reach up, grab me by the collar and say, You did this to me! <laughs> she didn't though. She was very gracious. Very gracious in not doing that. But as soon as that baby was born and emerged into the world, it was, oh, is she good? Is she, how is she? I want to see her. And, and the pain and the sorrow and the difficulty, I mean, even there was still pain there. But all of a sudden, I want to see my baby. This, this human being, this person has been born into the world. What joy has come. So, when Jesus says, your sorrow will, will turn into joy, he means it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that woman giving birth who goes through sorrow, sometimes nine to ten months of pain and sorrow and bedridden and, you know, discomfort and sleepless nights and overheating and weird cravings and the rest of it. And, and then the baby comes and it's like, what a beautiful thing. What joy has come out of this sorrow? Total joy comes out of sorrow. So what did Jesus mean for the disciples? He meant that, He meant that you are going to, uh, you are going to mourn. You are going to weep. You're going to lament because I'm no longer with you. And I'm going to be dead in the grave. And for all you know, I'm never coming back. But he promises that your sorrow will turn into joy. Remember, when Jesus says something's going to happen in the future, that's a promise. Your sorrow will turn into joy. Because I will rise again. Total joy comes from knowing what Jesus is doing. It comes from experiencing what He's already done. He's already risen from the dead. We have joy because He's alive. Amen? Amen. We're here this morning, Sunday morning, December 13th, 2015, and every Sunday that we gather together because Jesus is alive. We don't just celebrate the resurrection one time a year on a special Sunday. Every Sunday is a remembrance that on the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the dead. And so we have joy in that. And their joy uh, just it dissipated the sorrow. The pain of, of, of death. The pain of, of His crucifixion. The pain of their failures, the pain of their denials. And they experienced joy. He says that in verse 22, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. <laughs> will rejoice. And no one, no one will take your joy from you. No one. That's a promise. 
You saw that in Psalm 16. Was that, Gerald, that you read? He said, fullness of joy. <laughs> he said, pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy. Total joy. That's what he means. Will you go through sorrow? That's a, that's a kind of a depressing psalm, 16. If you read it, meditate on it. It's pretty depressing. This bad thing, these bad things are going on. I mean, what's, what's happening here? Why are we going through this grief? Why are we going through all of these difficulties? And the psalmist at the end says, but you didn't let your Holy One see decay. You didn't let my body rot in the ground. That was Jesus. <laughs> that was applied to Jesus. The, the disciples looked back and said, remember that one psalm, Psalm 16, that we love to sing when we gather together in worship? It has some fresh meaning now, doesn't it? Because of Jesus' resurrection, because He lives, we have total joy. And that joy is, is eternal. And no one will take your joy from you. I want to point out some, a, a little detail here. To point out, I, I think, to, 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 to help us see what Jesus meant by His resurrection and what it meant for His people. So also, He said, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Don't skip over that. Because in verse 16 he said, and again a little while and you will see me. You will see me. And in verse 22 he says, so you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. What does that mean? <laughs> that means the, the, whole, the whole basis of our joy is on what Jesus is doing. It's not on what we're doing it's not on what we're accomplishing. It's not on our abilities to see or not to see. Our brother Aaron could not see. But Jesus revealed Himself to Aaron in ways we'll never know and we'll never understand. Because Jesus saw Him and that makes all the difference. And Jesus sees you. And He sees the sorrow that you're experiencing and He sees the grief that you're carrying. He sees the, the frustration and the, and the discouragement of your heart. And He sees you. And He knows you. And He loves you. And He offers you joy for sorrow. How? How do we experience that total joy? What, what, what do we have to do well, <laughs> I had to meditate on these verses a while this week. Try to figure out what he's trying to say. Because all of a sudden, in verse 23, he's no longer talking about sorrow and joy. But he's talking about prayer. In that day, he says, you will ask nothing of me. I thought that was kind of, kind of a strange phrase. You will ask, in that day... When you see me again and I see you and your joy 
your hearts rejoice and your sorrow turns to joy in that day, uh, you will ask nothing of me. And I thought, what in the world? Uh, aren't we going to continue to ask? I mean, didn't the disciples continue to ask? Lord, is, is now the time? Acts chapter 1, verses what, 4 or 5? Um, is, is now the time when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, they're asking him things, right? And we continue to ask, and Jesus commanded, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock, the door will be open to you. He gave us that command. But he says, you will ask nothing of me. Why? Uh, because you'll understand. Because you'll see. You'll no longer ask the question, what does he mean? You'll no longer ask the question, uh, what is this that he says to us? <laughs> you'll no longer ask the question, what is he doing? Because you'll understand. Because when I turn your sorrow into joy, you'll, you'll understand. You won't, need, you won't be wondering about that anymore. You'll have clarity. You'll have a kind of faith by the Holy Spirit to know that, yes, all of that sorrow took place, but He accomplished these purposes in my life. But then He says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, okay, Red, red flag or something like that. Pay attention. Signpost here. This is important. What he's saying. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Then he says in verse 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. So all of a sudden, total joy goes from from knowing and experiencing what Jesus is doing, uh, total joy uh, which comes out of sorrow. Um, total joy is the, the experience of the resurrection of Jesus in our own lives. Now total joy is experienced or received through prayer, through asking. And and at this point in their lives, in the disciples' lives, if you'll just, you know, pretend to put their sandals on for a few minutes, how many times did the disciples uh, pray to God in the name of Jesus up until this point? None. <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. I'll answer it for you. None. He di they didn't. And that's what Jesus is pointing out here. So when, um, when I have done what I'm going to do on the cross and 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 in the resurrection, you are going to have access to the Father that you've never had before. You're going to experience things that you've never experienced before. God is going to hear you pray in ways that He's never heard you before because the curtain has been torn, because the holy place is open to us. The place where God dwells is open to us through His death. And we come right into the holiest place. The writer of Hebrews says, um, because of our high priest, because of what Jesus has done, because that holy place is open, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we can find mercy to help us in our time of need. How many of you are in a time of need? I am. I'm in a time of need. 
And where does our help come from? From God, the Father. And He's saying that right here. Whatever you ask of the Father in My name, He will give it to you. Do you need grace? Do you need mercy? Do you need forgiveness? God gives. Do you need wisdom? The writer uh, James wrote, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without finding fault, without looking at you and going, well, tell you what, I'll give you some wisdom to help you with that problem as soon as you stop smoking, as soon as you stop messing around, as soon as you stop cheating on your taxes, as soon as you stop yelling at your kids, as soon as you stop looking at porn, I'll help you. That's not how Jesus does it. He doesn't do that. He says, you're my child. You're messed up. Dare I say, you're pretty jacked up. But I love you. And I'll give you grace to help you in your time of need. Jesus said, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He will give it to you. That's a promise. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive. That's a promise. That's what Jesus offers. Why does He offer that? The last phrase. <laughs> the last phrase of this passage. That your joy may be full. The word that, um, kind of if I could add a couple extra helper words to it to expand and to kind of show the meaning. Ask and you will, will receive in order for your joy to be full. You ask so that this thing will take place. So that this will be the result. The result of our prayers. The result of us coming to God and asking for what only He can do is so that our joy will be full. You know, I've heard, I've heard pastors pray this. Um, God, we, we pray this all these things for your glory and our joy. And I think the first time I heard somebody pray like that, I thought, well, that's an interesting way to pray. But he's, Jesus is saying it right here. He's saying, ask that your joy may be full. So when we pray, we go, God, do this so that we'll have more joy. Because Lord knows we need it. Because we're going through so much sorrow. We grieve and we, we get frustrated. We want our joy to be full. We want to experience total joy, God. So answer our prayers. Meet our needs. Do something great in our lives. Do something great in our church. Do something great by saving people. Bringing them from darkness into light. Glorify your name. Glorify your Son in our presence, in our gatherings, in our witnessing, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and our jobs. God, do something. Ask. He said, ask. We receive total joy by asking. I don't know what you need to, um, to do to respond to this message today. I hope that what you have um, seen in this passage today is that um, Jesus' resurrection 
gives us an eternal source of joy. An eternal source of joy that will sustain us through the sorrow, through the grief that we experience, and that it's accessed through a life of prayer. Have you stopped praying? Have you gotten so frustrated? And you've thought, well, what's the point? I, 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 I start my day in the Word. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. I'm feeling, I'm feeling God. Yes, I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm going to follow you today. I want to experience your blessings today. And before you even get out the door, some tragedy has already occurred. What is going on here? Have you stopped? Have you stopped praying? Oh, well, because it didn't seem to work that one time. Forget about it. Jesus said not, not, too, not too long ago, we looked at this before, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Don't stop believing. <laughs> Don't stop. Continue to believe. Believe in Jesus. Put your faith in Him. Put your trust in Him. When I was... Um, when we lived in Yakima in 2003... Um, we, we as a family had a very rough year. And we thought we were doing exactly what God wanted us to do. And we made these decisions together. And my wife and I were in unity over it. And that's always, to me, an indication that, that God is speaking to us. If, if, if Cheryl and I can agree on something, God must be working. Christmas miracle or something like that. No, it's not that bad. But we, we looked for unity and we found it. And we, we pursued a, a, a plan and, and uh, the, the path that God had given us for that year. And then we just kept on facing difficulties. Over and over and over again that year just, just kicked our butts. And at the end of it, he opened the door for us into something totally unexpected, totally radical from our point of view and from a, the point of view of a lot of our friends and family who thought, what, do you, uh, what, what was this? What's your plan? What are you doing? And um, yet it was, a, it was that sorrow, that grief, that, that, that discipline period of time that God was shaping us and, and working in us to bring us into something better. Something that, some greater plan for our lives. Our sorrow, in many ways, turned to joy. Now, we still remember the pain. We still remember the sorrow, but we can look back and say, God did something then to prepare for us a new path, a new journey to go on, some, a, a, a direction that we never anticipated for His glory and for His purposes to be accomplished. We can't go back and change things. None of us can. But I hope you'll see from this word 
that God desires total joy for us. And that is His plan for us. And that even though we're going through sorrow, even though we're going through grief, Jesus is doing something. He's doing something that we might, may not be able to see. But He's doing something that's going to result in life. He's, gonna, he's doing something that's going to result in joy. Will you, will you commit to pray with me? Will you pray boldly? Will you pray boldly for things that we've been praying for for weeks now? Uh, what we prayed for today for the power of the Holy Spirit? Will you pray for joy? Will you, when you're in the midst of difficult circumstances, remember the resurrection? <laughs> remember Christ? Remember that He went through sorrow? That He went through difficulties? That He went through pain and suffering that we can never imagine and will we'll literally never experience even if our lives are taken from us in a violent way. We'll never experience the level of suffering that He experienced physically as well as spiritually combined. Will you remember that when you're sorrowful, when you are weeping and you're lamenting, and when the world is rejoicing around you and saying, isn't this great? Will you remember the resurrection? Will you remember that that's where our power is to experience the kind of joy that Jesus promises for us? Total joy. Will you do that with me? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for... I thank you, God, for the cross. God, I thank you for the joy that you give us. Father, you're so good. God, even though we're going through circumstances, we don't understand. And we're just like the disciples. What do you mean by this? Jesus, what are you doing? Uh, I don't understand how this is working out. God, even in the midst of those circumstances, God, you are working and you are doing something. You are bringing about something greater, God. You have promised that we would go through suffering. You had promised, God, that we are going through, that we will go through difficulties that we will face persecution by being bold, for instance, and witnessing. In this world, we will have trouble. But God, you've overcome the world by your, by your resurrection. I thank you for that, Jesus. I pray, God, that you will, that you will help us to remember. Remember your resurrection. God, that you will help us to remember the joy that is there for us. That, God, you will motivate our prayers. I pray, God, that we will not give up. That we will keep pursuing you. Truly for your glory and truly for our joy, I pray in Jesus' name.